Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, Senior Reporter at FT Advisor, and today I'll be discussing whether the pensions advice allowance can be saved with Pete Lancy, Head of Policy, Pensions and Investments at Scottish Widows, and Tim Morris, Independent Financial Advisor at Russell & Co. So welcome to you both. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. So for those who don't know, um, Pete, I wondered if we could start with you. Like, What is the Pensions Advice Allowance? So the Pensions Advice Allowance is a facility that was brought in uh, after the pension freedoms did to help people uh, get support from experts in terms of, you know, what, what are the best things to do with their money, you know, beyond the age of 55 when they want to retire. And there's all sorts of uh, considerations there. You know, should you go down the, the annuity road? Should you use income drawdown? Should you use a combination of the two? What are the tax implications? And the pensions advice allowance basically allows you to access up to £500 from your, your pension pot uh, for an expert to help you with some of those complicated decisions. Brilliant. And why should people use it then? Um, Tim, I don't know if you want to jump on this. Yeah, happy to... Um... Yeah, to give my thoughts on that one. So, um, I mean, for me, it, it's a no-brainer and it's something which I've talked about to a lot of clients, but I think it's something which is massively underused as well. Um, so, yeah, in terms of why savers should use it, um, it's quite simple because a lot of people feel that um, financial advice is out of reach. And, you know, even if we said to them, we're going to charge you £500 for this advice um, up front, I think most people would sort of wince at that um, in terms of the general public. People who have financial advice understand more what's involved and, you know, what the fees are for and totally get that. But um, the majority of the public, every time you look at these surveys, you know, it's way less than half, you know, even less than a quarter of people would would even look at taking financial advice and often costs a barrier. So this is something whereby people can get this £500 allowance, which can be used um, up to three times. Uh, as Pete said, usually it's intended for, you know, sort of the reaching retirement, um, age 55, when you can obviously take the money from personal pension. And uh, it's a you know valuable allowance, um, which is going to help people make the right decision for their retirement. Um, even if they haven't had advice before, it gives them the ability to, to get that advice. Sure, I don't know if you have anything to add there, Pete. Why do you think people should be, you know, hopping on this? Well, I think there's 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 two questions. You know, one is why why should people take financial advice, and then why should people use the the the, the pensions advice allowance? I mean, the advice is fantastic uh, value when you think about the tax implications and the impact of poor investment decisions on the size of your pension pot. I mean, these things can run to tens of thousands of pounds. Um, you know, so if you've, particularly if you've got a larger amount of money in your pension pot, you're really going to get good value out of taking financial advice. I mean, as Tim says, we, we, we've done research of our own in recent years, and our findings were 76% of people said that they couldn't or wouldn't pay for financial advice. And those were kind of split. The people that wouldn't pay for it are used to dealing with complicated products such as smartphones or, or, or cars, etc. And they just expect to get advice from experts in those fields for free. It's part of the package built into the product cost. But of course, in, in, in elements of financial services, you've got to say to the customer, well, we, we can't answer those complicated questions unless we, you, know, you take regulated advice. And there's lots of good reasons for that to protect the customer interest, but customers are unexpected. 
And then the other group of customers who who would pay for advice but but are not willing to on the grounds of cost, they've told us that they, they, the maximum they would pay is around about one hundred to two hundred pound for a piece of advice, a one-off piece of advice. And at the moment, the sort of entry level for really good quality advice is probably closer to fifteen hundred to two thousand. Sure, mm-hmm. and Scottish widows is definitely in the minority. Um, because you guys actually offer the pensions advice allowance, but there are an awful lot of providers that don't and have said, you know, they're kind of not interested in doing so at the moment. Why is this? You know, why is there such aversion to using it? The, the pension advice allowance, I, I guess, is something that we built. We were a bit sceptical as to whether it would be, be used because, you know, previously we'd built the uh, advisor charging following the, the, the retail distribution review we launched that back in 2013 and clients uh, and advisors already had the facility to agree any sort of fee structure for advice that they wanted pretty much any permutation you could imagine and there's been very little uptake of that the pensions advice allowance is a is is, is a bit more restricted than advisor charging it's a bit more specific in terms of what it's intended to do so it's not a surprise that there hasn't been massive uptake I think pension providers, I mean, it costs us millions of pounds to build. Other pensions providers have probably looked at this and tried to figure out, will there be demand? Now, I don't think financial advisors have seen a lot of demand from clients for the reasons that we talked about in terms of that research. And if pension providers aren't in turn seeing demand from IFAs, they're not going to build it. We're not seeing a lot of financial advisors steering clear of organisations who don't on, offer the pension advice allowance, for example, those, those providers are still picking up business, they're still doing very well, so there's little incentive for people to to build the pensions advice allowance at the moment. Mm. I think, you know, if you look from an advisor point of view, the pushback is, well, why why do people need this? Um, because of the fact that, you know, most providers will facilitate the advice fee from the pension pot. So um, generally, those with lower, um, you know, pension values, if you like, um, would pay from their pension pot. It's not necessarily the best way to do things because um, obviously you're taking it from a tax efficient pot. Um, but if you say, like I say, if you say to people, look, I'm going to bill you directly for this, it, it's going to put them off altogether. Um, whereas you're sort of more high net worth, more, um, if you like, uh, savvy investors, then they're quite happy to pay that and, you know, to be invoiced directly for advice because that's what they're used to. Um, so most advisors think, well, yeah, wh- why do we need this? We can already facilitate um, a payment from pretty much every pension scheme. So, you know, my my thoughts on it would, historically was it something which was there to help people who are in you know group pensions where they don't have an advisor was that um i know you know farmer you know looked at this quite a bit was that part of the thinking behind it originally i think i think so tim i think i think you're right i was really impressed with the job you know that firms like yours did around rdr and uh, in, uh, in explaining the value of advice to the top 20 25 percent of your clients the wealthy people that, that, that work with financial advisors and they they by and large were willing to get the checkbooks out and, and pay for the advice because they saw value I think that the market that we collectively need to unlock in partnership with government, I think we need help from government here, is, is how do we help some of the other 75 or 80 percent of the public, you know, get expert support? And I think that is where the, the, the yeah. advice allowance could come in. Workplace is definitely an area we're seeing people build up bigger and bigger DC pots as auto enrollment matures. And these, these people don't, don't have a lot of money, that they're not able to get the checkbook out even for £500 in, in some cases. So uh, yeah, I think you're right there. That, that's a target market, but there's gaps to close in terms of getting the uptake. Yeah. And I mean, Pensions mm. Minister Opperman has said he's going to, you know, review this advice allowance. But in your opinion, maybe we start with you, Pete, what 
does need to be done to you know improve this service does it you know does it need to be higher does it need to be you know not just three times does it need to be five times and what do you think I think there's a bit of a red herring. I've seen a few headlines on, on social media and the like saying that the, the, the allowance needs to be bigger. That, that's not consistent with what research is telling us. Um, you know, people are saying they're not using it because they, they can't mm. afford it. Uh, so making it bigger isn't going to solve that problem. I think we need to do two things. So we need to raise awareness. And there's also talk of increasing uh, referrals to pension-wise, you know, which is part of the money and pension service. And that's, I think, being rebranded Money Helper at some point in the future. But there's, you know, there's pressure in government to increase the number of referrals from people at retirement to pension-wise, they provide guidance. So they, they help raise people's level of knowledge about you know, the big decisions they have to make. And a lot of people, having had that awareness raised, then you know, realise they need advice. And I think we could do something with pension-wise you know, to highlight the, the, the pension advice allowance and how that could be used. But I think we've also got to meet you know, the, the people in those sort of lower echelons of wealth, if you like, the people with the smaller pots and less money to spend on advice. We need to meet them halfway. And the, the FC at the, at the moment is, is, is looking at the advice gap and they're trying to explore, is there a middle ground between guidance and advice? And it might be that they come up with a lower cost, more restricted form of advice, which is much more affordable. So I think, you know, if the FCA succeeds in finding a halfway house that's much more affordable for the public, then that too might trigger a greater usage of the pension advice allowance. Sure. And what about you? So, so for me, the, the other side of it is um, how it can be used in conjunction with things like the employers' allowance, which again is something which is, is massively underused, and uh, and most employers aren't actually aware of how it works or you know what even that even exists um, for a start. So, you know, if, if somebody's got the ability to then say, well, yeah, okay, here's five hundred pounds to put towards the advice, but actually the advice is is going to be a thousand pounds, which, as Pete said, is is quite realistic. Then you can say, well, okay, potentially that's that's a thousand pounds that's going to cover most of what they need to help them make the right decision at the most important time for them you know as they're approaching retirement to make sure that they are making the best possible decisions so for me there is a way to you know use it in conjunction with the employer allowance and and make advice accessible for more people sure and do you think that it kind of goes hand in hand with there being a stigma around advice in general like do you think that people are yeah slightly embarrassed about having to go and ask for help or is it you know the cost of it or even even just something simple like forcing yourself to go out and find an advisor that you trust and want to use that absolutely big part of it so the key word there amy is trust and uh, i think unfortunately for one reason or other mainly historic um that trust amongst the general public um when it comes to financial advisors isn't great and that's something which as a profession we've worked on massively and you know as, as pete mentioned um you know since rdr um, which you know we're talking eight years ago now and uh, things have moved on massively and I think people do understand that but again we're in a bit of a bubble um, in our microcosm obviously our clients tend to generally love us and really appreciate and get what we do and they'll see the value of that um, but yeah there, there's a, a real breakdown between our clients and as I say the, the general public in terms of that perception and so so for me it, it is about um, you know w- working with providers who you know and I've worked with Scottish Widows said um, looking after group schemes and um, I think they do a great job of communicating and not just communicating but helping people understand how the pensions work what's available what the choices are 
and you know it's about that signposting and, and this is what with, with maps and um, the you know pension advice service uh, all of these are aimed at driving more people towards advice which is great and i think if we're all working together to help build that trust it, that can only be a good thing sure do you have any thoughts on this pete do you, do you know do you think providers could do more I wouldn't quite use the word stigma. I mean, the the, the word that the problem that's jumping to my mind is, is the word friction. There, there's far too much friction. I, me- I mentioned you know other complex products like you know smartphones or, or cars, uh, and if you want a bit of help there, it's just frictionless to get an expert you know to help you. Uh, and you know the fact that we're introducing friction, I think, is getting people to stand back for a bit and think, well, well, do I really need this? And can I not figure it out for myself? Or can I just ask my pals? And you're not going to get a good answer by doing that. If you look at auto-enrolment, for example, very few people were saving into a, a workplace pension before it became the default that you did. And it just became the norm that you did. We almost need to get to a similar position with the pensions advice allowance and advice in general, you know, coming up to retirement especially, that it's just the default position that, that you get to. And it's been people's mindsets. This is just what everybody does. You know, it, it shouldn't be something that you think, oh, I'm the only person getting this and therefore I'm deficient in some way because I'm asking for help. Yeah. And do you think um, like COVID would have maybe helped with this? Because I know a lot more people during lockdown and, you know, when things have been a bit tough, if you've been on furlough and stuff, have been looking closer at their savings and their pensions and their investments, etc. I mean, myself, just, you know, speaking from my own personal experience, I opened the stocks and shares ISO and I never thought I would be, I'd have the first idea of what to do but you know in lockdown I thought actually you know I'm going to take control of this and have a look so do you think more people are doing this and then therefore are you know looking into advice more touching their pensions and what they can do yeah, I absolutely think so, because as Pete said, auto enrolment's been a massive success, um, but also something which, um, you know, we we can be a victim of that success because of the fact that, um, yeah, people are building up pensions. But I think the next step is to ensure that they're contributing enough um, into the pensions, because most people won't be even you know, at the minimum levels, which obviously been increased quite a bit since auto enrolment uh, came about. A few years back but um yeah for me there's definitely that increase so i don't know if you class yourself as part of the uh sort of robin hood um generation <laughs> perhaps amy so uh, you know all the reddit obviously uh you know was in the news massively um a few months back and you know I, I followed that closely because for me it's great to see more people getting engaged now i, I wouldn't necessarily um say that's how people should be investing because that's a long way away from what we'd advise but um as somebody who myself invested in you know penny shares you know as a student just um out of interest you know pure interest um just something which i enjoyed i can understand and get where they're coming from and it's the first step into then understanding investing and and as i say um you know it's something that our clients generally will just think well this is what we should do because our parents have done it and their parents you know their grandparents have done it and and it filters down generations and i think as, as people start building up more in their pension pots they will inevitably start thinking hang on a minute i need to make sure i'm doing the right thing here unlike losing you know 100 pounds in you know taking a punt in in whatever stock is the flavor of the moment um with the reddit group then you know it's very much a case of thinking well yeah how am i going to make sure that this pot is giving me what i need for retirement and and that's where you know the advisor role comes in and and i think that you know it will evolve that that more people more of these people will want to take advice but at the moment 
Um, there's a disconnect, you know, that friction, as Pete mentioned, between, you know, people in the auto-enrolment schemes and the ability to take advice because, you know, as advisors, we're not as involved in group pensions as we used to be from my point of view. So, um, yeah, we need to sort of bring bring that together. Sure. I should mention I do have an advisor living in my house with me. My brother is an advisor. <laughs> <laughs> a little help along the way. Yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Pete? Have you seen that more people are kind of looking at their pots and asking more questions? Yes, I mean, definitely. I mean, if I, if I just just as a, a separate example, we, we've seen a huge uptake in our ISA business of people taking out ISAs, record number of people taking out the products and then record amounts of trading within the products uh, because people have got more time on their hands and they're getting really interested in it. But we'll need to see if that continues when people go back to, to work after, after lockdown. But I, I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to do that within the pension wrapper. You know, it's, people are treating the ISAs and the short-term investments as a bit of fun, a bit of a hobby. You know, yeah. there, there's a lot of stewardship and governance around the big default funds that sit in workplace pensions. And there's a there's a lot of expert people constantly looking at this to try and manage risk and get good outcomes. And if you do want to move away from a provider default, you should be working with an expert financial advisor. And again, it's typically people that have larger pots would want to do this, but they, they will be building you a bespoke portfolio that's tailored to your needs. And they'll, they'll be constantly reviewing that and be proactive on your behalf. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage day trading within, within pensions uh, tax wrappers. No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> well, Pete, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next week to hear more about what is happening in the industry. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.